1: Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A fun balls McWednesday to you and yours. I'm Jeff, that's Tom. There's Director Matthew. Appreciate you joining us as always. Thanks for being here, guys. Gals, all of you. On Twitter, it's at Show. Don't forget that if you happen to be watching us, on Chant TV to like and subscribe. Get on in here. Let's do this thing. Lots to kind of touch on today. A little bit all over the map when uh, when it comes to the world of sports today. Obviously, we do big picture stuff here, but also central theme, Florida State always. And uh, there is news on that front right off the bat. There is news, uh, and it's good news for Florida State. And it's going to have to continue to trend in that direction if we're wanting to get these things a uh, rectified situation with Florida State's health. It's got to be optimal if Florida State's going to have uh, any chance to to win uh, this weekend and next, and obviously try to get one of these victories against two teams in which you'll be an underdog. Uh, you are an underdog, uh, and and you know again we can lament that, but you know coaches can't, players can't. They got to ready themselves and hope for the best. And they got some good news today. Mike Norvell said that defensive end Jared Verse. Obviously played a very limited role, but impactful role last week against Wake Forest when he did get into the game. You saw that explosiveness. I said, I commented to Tom, one thing to note with Jared Burris is that even with a lower leg injury, even any kind of a problem that you have with your legs, a lot of that, when you're at the line of scrimmage, you think really inhibits you to be much of a player at all if you don't have your legs. You're talking about mountainous men uh, that that, that have uh, the ability to put a lot of weight on you and make it difficult for you to hold up. But when you're as strong as he is on the upper half, you can overcome some of that. Uh, And very few people, and this is, again, a testament to his time in the gym and the athlete that he is um, and the power that he possesses, very few people can get away with it on defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, guard, center, any of that stuff on the line of scrimmage where, where you just have to use your arms and hope for the best. But that's a strong dude, and that initial punch that you see him deliver frequently is is startling to some tackles. I've seen guys, you know, really have to gather themselves three and four yards off of the initial line of scrimmage just because he punched him in the chest. It's it's special. Now, if he gets his legs back, and again, that's the quote I'm reading here, uh, barring a setback, fully expected to get more out of him this week. Quote unquote, Mike Norvell. That's a hell of a thing.
0: Yeah, and I can tell you this from practice yesterday. I didn't make it out there today, but um, when they were doing their trench drills, and I feel more emboldened to say this now that Mike has spoken on the topic, right? When they were doing Mm one-on-ones, as they usually do, you know the drill. They go down the line from right tackle to left tackle. Jared was taking part in that if only to allow him to get off the line of scrimmage and work on that part of it. It it wasn't contact after that, but just to get the jump right. So if you're working in that type of drill, that has nothing to do with upper body at all. To your point, he already is strong enough to do that. Wake Forest left tackle figure that out in the first play that he was out on the field that, oh, you hit a little different. But it, they are aggressively approaching that part of his body as well, which is good. Which is good. So I, unless there is a setback, that sounds exactly right compared to what I saw yesterday.
1: Well, that's a big deal. They need him. I mean, I think we saw right off the bat how desperately they need him. Uh, before I move forward with the other notes of good news from Mike Norvell today after practice, Z-Chan, you're a bad son of a bitch. I'll tell you what. Woo! Thank you. We greatly appreciate you. And, of course, you've earned the right for me to read this message uh, loud and clear. Uh, you already know, Tom. Go brave. RS is in the jackpot now, okay? And my prediction is a tough last-minute win for the Knowles. Fitz gets it together and kicks a 38-yarder for the win. Z-chan, your eternal optimism when it comes to uh, a victory and manner in which uh, it will be won is greatly appreciated. I love it for that kid. I want the Knowles to win just because I want the Knowles to win. But if you're going to describe a win by which you break the heart of your opponent in their stadium on the road at night with a kid who right now has to be suffering a crisis of confidence the likes of which none of us have ever felt or hope to never feel again at the very least, right? That's a hell of a thing. That would be as heartwarming as it gets. And, uh, man, good on you, sir. And then right around the corner, as if they're competing with one another, James B. with some kind words and... Woo! Hardy Jesus! <laughs> Hearty uh, uh, and earnest thank you from James B. Jeff, really appreciate your honesty and positivity this week. I hope the cliff jumpers have been listening to you carefully this week. I don't know that they have James B. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. I think that people pick what they want, what pieces of what you have to say that they agree with and they kind of they tend to hang on to that and then they really re- the, the stuff they disagree with really resonates with them more. And then they kind of take that – like, if I hear from people who heard the show this week, most of the time it's whatever kernel of something I said that they disagree with. But that's okay. That's part of it. I mean, that's – I think we're all guilty of that, right? We're guilty of that in politics. Like, most people aren't all of this one thing, whatever the thing is you like or dislike – and sometimes they'll say nuanced things, but if you know them to be this way, you're like, oh, but there it is. I knew it. You don't hear the whole statement because you don't want to hear the whole statement. So I'm used to that. I think we were just honest this week and, and straightforward. It was nothing to jump the, off the cliff for. Uh, Florida State's got some personnel issues, and growth um, within the program uh, It takes time. And until you can get some guys in here that are real difference makers to back up your starters, then you're going to have a hard time when the starters go down. And there's just no getting around that. When you lose your starting left tackle and your starting right tackle I, on an offensive line that was always going to be average to slightly above average at best, well, you got a problem on your hands, man. At some point, that those absences are going to show up in a game. And they're starting to because, guess what, your competition is getting better as well up front. So I think that's that's part of it. I think the other part of that is that it's not just those two. You know, you, you've had a problem on the interior since the LSU game, and I feel like some teams have been able to expose it for pockets at a time. Others have utilized it, Wake Forest especially. No Fabian Lovett meant they could attack the interior of our defense early and set things up with the run game. And what they did do was set up third and manageable. And then they allowed their veteran quarterback and really good receiving core to have manageable third-down conversions all afternoon. And they won on first down, and Florida State lost on first down. And I, I think those two things really stood out in the game. It didn't take a rewatch, but when you did rewatch, you're reminded that you cannot fall behind the chains, especially if your tackles are, are lacking. So Jordan had to frequently be off-platform, and we assume because he's mobile that that's not going to be a problem, and oftentimes he finds a way to Houdini, his way to a great play, but that's not always going to work, and that's not ideal. And so when that happens and they get pressure on a guy with a brace on his knee, the next thing you know it's second and 13 or it's second and 10 or you false start your way into a damn brutal situation. So, you know, I, I think the game was pretty simply put, um, the result was not surprising, given some of the things that you know Florida State's got to try to overcome. Now, I also don't want to assume that they're either going to win or lose the next game. I'll give you my opinion, but I think they're good enough to overcome some of this and get a win. I'm not picking them. I think NC State will beat Florida State on Saturday night. I would like to be wrong. I thought Florida State could overcome and win at home against Wake Forest. Guess what? I was wrong. They lost. I thought they could win a shootout. I said we wouldn't hold Wake below 30 points. We didn't. I thought we'd have to score somewhere near 40 points. We didn't come close. So those things were accurate, but when it comes down to a lot of close games, you know, it is a knife's edge.
0: Yeah, and we've got a few days to sort out the inner workings of what NC State wants to do and what Florida State has to do, but, you know, there's a reason that Florida State and you guys pointed it out yesterday at headlines. If you if you look at the rankings as they're currently comprised, is playing three straight top fifteen teams yeah, in the country. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's you tough. Know. In the SEC, they would champion that and they would rank us probably fifteenth by the end of the sequence. Well, we LSU ranked three in the or, top
1: twenty-five, Tom, and we beat LSU. Correct. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I know how this all works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, maybe if we go one and two in the stretch, we'll be higher ranked than we were before we played Wake. If we were in the SEC, we'd be seventeenth or sixteenth in the country. But there's, there's a lot of problems with this matchup because that's a good football team. You know, it's not because... Well, it's the line of scrimmage. Right, right. Like, the part of it is we're not healthy, but part of it is they're good. So that would have been a problem if we were healthy. And you just hope you get a couple of these key pieces back. It's great that Jared is going to play... Mike commented on Robert Scott today. Well, I'm going to give you both those quotes
1: here. Let me do it. You're right. Thank you for setting it up. It's perfect. Norvell said that offensive tackle Robert Scott, who's been sidelined, with a lower leg injury, has been getting reps at practice, could be in the lineup as well. Scott is obviously the returning left tackle for Florida State and went down that Louisville game. Got to get him back. Quote, we'll see how the week continues to go. He's gotten work in these past two days, which is good. We'll see where it is game time. He went on to say that it looks like outside linebacker Amari Gaynor uh, will be returning from his lower leg injury. We forgot about Gaynor in the midst of all the other injuries. Uh, quote, I think Amari's going to be a ready to go. Now, obviously, he's very optimistic about what he's doing. Saw him make a number of plays in practice this week. I thought he had a good day today running around. Love his spirit. Love the work ethic. He's a tough kid. That, too. Good news for Mike Norvell today. So Mike, while well, addressing the press today, basically had a lot of updates on a lot of guys that are very, very important. There was not an update on Fabian Lovett. And I, you know, again, until they get him back, this is going to be a weakness for the team. He is a difference maker. He's your best defensive lineman. It's not close. It's not close. He is by far your best defensive lineman. And without him, you're average at best up front and you're lacking depth.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if the other pieces were healthy behind him, or a couple of them at least that are in that key rotation, let's just say you remove Fabian from the equation and, and there's your next four. And, of course, we would know that Robert Cooper is in that group and so is Josh Farmer, Jared Jackson, Malcolm Ray. If a couple of those pieces were healthy, I think we would notice the problem less because it would be a bit less of an yeah, issue. Yeah,
1: Malcolm Ray was full go. and
0: Because, in, in truth, looking at some of the things from Louisville, B.C., and Wake – It's not that Robert Cooper isn't playing well, it's just he's only one half of the equation and they move the other guy off the ball easily. So there are times when he's double teamed and he's doing what he needs to do, which is neutralize the situation, but then nobody can capitalize on that next to him. Then there are times where 91 doesn't look healthy and he gets removed from the ball. It's just, it's a total mess. If you had a full group of healthy defensive tackles behind Fabian, we wouldn't be talking about this as a crisis, but it is a potential crisis because NC State, while they haven't been able to run the ball, do have a a bunch of set plays that are very simple up the gut. And, you know, Louisville didn't run the ball before they played us, and neither did Wake Forest. Correct. So, I mean, I think they're going to test that early. They should test it early. If they don't, they're nuts for not testing it early.
1: Every team we play from this point forward are going to test it to find out can you stop it, period. I think that there is a need to test Florida State up the gut for a couple of reasons. One, relative health, depth, talent, all of that. But two you really don't have any more than two linebackers that are any good. And so you're in a situation where I I would try to wear Florida State out on the regular unless I fell way behind them and then I had to throw the football. But I I think if teams can stick with the run, they're going to do that. Well, and to your point,
0: when we've gone three linebackers against Louisville and Wake, it doesn't go well. No. And so you would want maybe personnel-wise to dictate that we've got to make a decision, whether that's Jamie Robinson is committed with two safeties or we've got to play our third linebacker. I do think, though, that Amari Gaynor could help he can in that help you. equation. He can,
1: I agree with you. He could help you. I, I don't think he's a great player, but he could help you. We've missed him. Just rotationally, you miss having a depth there. Guys get tired.
0: And he does look fresh. He looks to be that. That's a player I wouldn't even list him on the, on the injury report if it was the NFL, just the way he's looked in practice. So I'm glad to hear that Mike echoes that sentiment.
1: Well, and the one thing I will give Amari Gaynor, I'm pretty critical of his overall game, just when I watch him play, I I, you know, there are some things that I've pointed out in the past that I'm not impressed with and continue to be mystified by. But that said, he plays with a lot of what for and energy. He is tough. And I do think that just having that at that position in particular can help you an awful lot. Now he'll get exposed in coverage and he lacks instincts and all that. But if you if you are able to bring a guy off the bench with a little what-for in the run game, that, that would be nice.
0: I'm just hoping he doesn't do the hippity-hop into the wrong gap a uh, bunch, because if he doesn't, uh, then that's an improvement.
1: Well, and he and Lundy have the hippity-hop into the wrong gap uh, disease. It's it's It seems to have plagued them from their arrival, and it's uh, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. But, hey, I don't want to go down that road just yet. No more hippity-hoppity into the wrong gap. Let's go. Let's make it happen. I think uh, good things could happen. I... I, I also, you know, for being real honest, I'm not <laughs> I'm not entirely certain we block them, Tom. I don't No, that's I don't think okay. we block them. That's the bigger issue. Do we want
0: to get into that? Not right here. Okay. Not
1: right yet, but I I'm telling you now, I'm fairly certain um we're going to have a hard time blocking them. Now here's the good news. Here, here's the good news. Let's just skip ahead. Now, we'll get into oh, more thank God. We'll get, good no, no, news. We'll get into more detail about the not being able to block them part of it later. See, so you got that to look forward to, everybody. But here's here's what I would tell you: We couldn't block anybody last year. Nobody won five of our last seven games. They have found a way to work magic through angles and setting up the extra gap at the end with the extra man. You know, they have done things to make defenses account for other aspects besides your standard line of scrimmage. Yeah, they're they're well-versed
0: in having a game plan in a situation like this, in situations worse than this.
1: Worse than this. So the point is, yeah, they've had the game plan around deficiencies that were monumental, and it made everything look very arduous. Everything was laborious. Everything was, my God, this is tough. I mean, it's... You know, it's the frustration one feels when you see a finely-tuned offense elsewhere around the country, let's say, with dudes at key positions, right, and an offensive line that keeps a great quarterback upright. You'll watch an offense like that, and you're like, everything looks so easy. Dudes are just running free every which way to Sunday. Nothing looks like it's difficult. Go back a year and watch Florida State and know that any success that occurred, for the most part, I mean, you're setting it up, setting it up, Setting it up, oh, we got your ass, we've won 18 plays in a row out of this set that looks exactly like this, here's the spinoff, gotcha, bitch, you know, and that's what we would have to do, and it was great, because they were patient enough to do that, and they they, they hit big plays because of it, all those long runs or the wheel route, all those things were set up through a lot of patience, and what you had to do was hold your breath that you were still in the game by the time you got to unleash it, right? Right. And if you were, because your defense held up and got a lot better over the second half of the season, then you could have some fun with that. You could have success with that. They're better off now. They can actually drive the ball down the field.
0: They can win one-on-one matchups. They can
1: win one-on-one matchups. You can scheme one-on-one matchups, and you might win some of those. You got a guy that'll go get it. You got another guy that's tough. We run that tunnel screen now effectively. My God almighty. Uh, We've waited and waited. It happens. They scheme open the tight end. They do a lot of things very well, and they do so despite what's lacking currently up front. So there is hope. I can give you a little bit of the sugar to go along with the medicine. You know, it's tough. It's it's just some of those things are going to make things more difficult, but this staff has found a way at times, certainly, to scheme around all of those problems. So... Can you do it on the road at night against a team that's got you beat on both sides of the line of scrimmage? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's hope I'm wrong. Let's hope Jordan Travis and the skill position players are able to make big plays through scheme. They are able to make some big plays because guess what? NC State's offense hasn't been great either. They have struggled this year. I think if I'm doing NC State Radio this week, I'm saying, what the hell's going on with Leary? What's going on with my offense that a year ago was dynamic and efficient and arguably, at times, the best in the ACC? And now everything's a check down and everything's difficult and takes forever for us to succeed. The big plays are almost gone from the offense. Like I'm talking about how angry I am if I'm them with what I thought they were going to be to what they currently are. Now, they still have some pieces that I'd like to have here, one of them is a transfer from Florida State and it would have been nice to have him along the defensive front coming into this game.
0: Yeah, oh, certainly with Fabian Lovett not available, you'd feel a lot better if Durden yeah. was on. Well,
1: I mean, and, and, and I don't but, blame that kid. He was no, part of a mess here, but I wish he could have seen and believed in the vision of where this but was going. You can
0: understand why he didn't.
1: I, I do, it just, it's mm, it's tough. The it's thing I'd pretty. say
0: for this defense, too, is Look, you know, you're know you going to get roasted at times on this schedule. We knew that before this, you know, the season started because of you know, the veteran quarterbacks that we're seeing at every turn. I mean, every turn. Going, My God, all these dudes are like BYU super seniors. They're all in their mid-20s. They're Chris Winkie out here. And then we're playing another Chris Winkie Wien- Chris and another one. At least they're prepared for that because if you want to talk about receiving cores, Florida State's seen two better receiving cores than this one already in LSU and in Wake Forest. And in terms of quarterback play, they've seen the nightmares that can scramble. And they've seen an all-world, in terms of college, mm-hmm. an all-world quarterback who is efficient as hell and made one mistake last week that we didn't have uh, the ability to pick off. And that was a hurtful situation. So, you're prepared for this. <laughs> you're, you're better prepared for NC State than you would have been if they were second game, third game on
1: the schedule. There's at least that. Uh, and they also have, I know we got to go to break. But we're just excited about this team still. That's an important thing, to be excited about the team still. And I don't mean that as in having to manufacture it. I mean it as in, man, this is a likable group. They lost the game. Go up really good team. Go get them. They'll go fight. They'll go fight. And and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes, depending on the Saturday, all that gets you some, all that angst and what for and want to and all of that is enough to carry you into the fourth quarter and shift – the pressure onto the team with expectations of so much more. Bottom line is NC State loses this game. Their season is a wash. They have blown it. And they know that for a program that's never accomplished a damn thing has been a useless member of this conference as a football program. There's a lot of weight on their shoulders to achieve something at some point in their history. Yeah,
0: haven't been in the top five since Jim Donnan. Who? Precisely. Yeah,
1: former Georgia coach.
0: Right. Yeah. That's the last time they were in the AP Top 5. Yeah, they were on the short. precipice of doing sure, that. Yeah. They won last week, but, you know, they just don't. But
1: they don't. They never win games that matter. They never win important games. This would be an important game to save their season, to salvage and give them an opportunity to bounce back from a tough loss against the Clemson team. There's no shame in losing to, especially by 10. But I'm just saying, once again, they had an opportunity, and when they were given that opportunity, they fell on their face like they always do. And maybe, again... They'll be, you know, confronted with the reality that, again, an empty season awaits you. And now we're in the fourth quarter of a tie game. What, what says you? We'll see. Jeff Cambridge on three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Well, we don't have to worry about any more break-ins or interruptions of Florida State football to show an Aaron Judge at bat. It has been accomplished. There it is. The nightmare is over. No more cut-ins. Aaron Judge has, in fact, hit home run number 62. And, you know, I have said on the show for many, many years that I hate the Yankees, and I still hate the Yankees. But it's impossible, at least on the surface and the information we have, it's impossible to dislike Aaron Judge. I hate that he's a Yankee because I hate the Yankees. I hate that he's really good because I hate the Yankees. <laughs> but I don't have a problem with Aaron Judge, and one of the reasons I don't.
0: You're making a very good point, but I'm sorry. We have to cut to Aaron Judge at batting practice. <laughs> We're, we, he's he's now taking batting practice in his bid for 63. Oh, man. So we'll be back in 10 minutes.
1: So what I do want to do is is point this out, right? Here's one of the reasons that it's hard to, as much as I maybe want to gin up a reason to dislike the guy because he's a Yankee, I can't. This guy hits this historic home run, right? It's an amazing moment in the history of the game, and we can talk about whether that's the real home run record or not. Let's save that. We've had debates for years about what should be done with the steroid guys and all that. But just, we all know what a big deal that home run was, right? And afterwards, quote, it's a big relief. I think everyone can sit back down in their seats and just watch the ball game now, you know? It's been a fun ride so far, getting the chance to do this with my team, my teammates, the guys surrounding me, the constant support from my family, who's been with me through all of this. It's been a great honor to play with them and for them. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, no, he's totally likable. Like, you yeah. are, the, that's the greatest answer of, I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a any look at me at all. And he had every right to be like, I bet on myself. These cheap bastards wouldn't pay me. I bet it all on myself this year. Suck it. I'm going to ask for $700 million and you're going to pay it because I'm New York's greatest in the biggest and best city in the world. Pay me. He could have easy done that. But no, no. It's just uh, these guys, what an honor. It's amazing. Good for
0: him. What's incredible, too, is the steroid guys aside for a moment. 61 years. I mean, right? It's 1961 that Roger Maris hits his home runs, and the number comes back into play. 61 years since he did that. But think about how much time has passed and how much the game has been muscled up even without steroids. Oh Yeah, without
1: steroids. And launch
0: angles and all that. Like, it hasn't even been – there hasn't been a bid – for this, like Aaron Judd. In the American League. In the yeah. American League. Sure. it's a, I mean, since Griffey got hurt in 98, he was on pace. I think it would have yeah. happened. But this was, that it takes that long through this many generations of baseball and how the game is played and there's been a oh, sluggers era.
1: yeah. It's just, it's
0: so hard to do. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and good for him. And I'll get back to something else he said that I thought was very, very impressive. But the guy that caught the ball, we're always wondering about that. What would you do? What would you do if you caught the ball? It was caught by a guy named Corey Humans of Dallas. He was sitting in Section 31. Asked what he was going to do with the ball while being taken away by security to have the ball authenticated and to keep from getting his head kicked in by a bunch of overzealous fans who want the ball. Humans responded, it's a good question. I haven't thought about it. I would think if you were sitting in that section with a right-handed hitter coming up, you would have thought about it, my man. Now, here's what I would also tell you judge was asked about it afterwards afterwards in the press conference and once again perfect freaking answer this guy uh he was he was he said he was asked have you met humans the man who caught the ball the fan who caught the ball and was asked should he choose to keep the ball uh what what he thought no i haven't met him i hope to and it's certainly every fan's right to decide what they want to do with the ball I don't know where it is, Judge said. It would be nice to get it, sure, but that guy made a great catch, and he can decide. Well, damn you. Again, that's the perfect answer.
0: That's just correct.
1: I can't hate you, and I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll see, but I've always wrestled with that, too, by the way.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question. If you can... Find something close to generational wealth for your family, you do it. If, and if they want to make could. the bid, you give them the first right of refusal. That would yeah. be the move.
1: Yeah, I think also, Tom, the way I've looked at it is yes, if I put my kids through college because I caught a home run ball, I understand it. But we're both compelled, in all likelihood, without money entering into the conversation, of course, to give the ball back to the guy who hit it. We understand what that would mean to him and why. At the same time, you're right. Like, hey, man, be pretty cool to. It'd be really cool to, um, to, to, to inherit that kind of money just because you made a catch.
0: And Hey, he never possessed the ball. He hit it. The pitcher is the last one who possessed the ball.
1: Yeah. Give it back to him. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying I've always wrestled with what I would do. Now, again, if you tell me in the moment, hey, that ball's worth $5 million, well, then I'm selling it for $5 million. Yes, I agree with you. We often get into these debates about what that ball would actually be worth, and you really won't know for some time you got to let a little time go by to see Mm -hmm. who's compelled and what the market tells you about what that ball's worth.
0: See, I'd be aggressive with my media strategy if I was this guy. I'd say, you know, if the Yankees wanted to purchase it for Aaron Judge to commemorate and maybe put it in Monument Park, they're welcome to do so.
1: Agreed. That's the approach is, hey, I'd like to give him back the ball if you guys would do the right thing.
0: (laughs) I'm excited. Sadly... For my uh, my parents and, and me, I'm not the size of Aaron Judge. I can't make them money the way Aaron Judge can. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to be in this swath of 5,000 people that I was chosen to catch this ball. Fate would have it. So this is my Aaron Judge moment, and I'm going to take advantage of it.
1: Real Sergeant Tom, you won't have to wait long about that number, by the way, because is today the last day of the season? It is. I believe it is. So yeah. he either it's a home run today or he doesn't, and I doubt he's going to play, right?
0: They did a cool thing. It just there there aren't, I don't think, any implications today. I don't think there's any seeding implications. There's 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 nothing. It all got settled last night. That is correct. Obviously, I know that for the division folks. I'm not trolling Um, because the Phillies and the Padres also got their mess sorted. But baseball has concurrent first pitches at 4.10 p.m. for every game. So there was no advantage. And at some point in the next five years, that's going to be awesome. And it's going to be must-see television. But for today... All of the seeds are known, so there really is no drama
1: whatsoever. Right. They got a little unlucky with that. So, uh, no more cut-ins. Aaron Judge has done it. Congratulations to him. By the way, this is pretty amazing. I know we get tired of it and we never get to see him because he's on the wrong coast when it comes to being able to view great players. You don't – I mean, we see a lot of the Dodgers. We don't see a lot of the Angels. They happen to have two transcendent players. One of them is, in fact, as Jeff Passan called him, a unicorn. And he continues to stockpile records that probably in our lifetime we'll never see anybody else do because nobody's ever done it before this guy. And if the records did exist, they were done by Babe Ruth. And we're talking about Shohei Otani. Since June 9th, Otani's pitching line is 12 and 4 with a 1.66 ERA and over 113 innings pitched. He's only had 32 walks to 148 strikeouts and given up just six home runs. Opponent's slash line is 193, 252, 267. 12 of the 18 starts are with zero or one run given up. Now that's Otani, the pitcher, the hitter this season. 11 players with at least 100 starts are OPSing over 1,000 with runners in scoring position. Only two are over 1,200. Shohei Itani, and Aaron Judge. That's it. That's it. So prolific hitter, prolific pitcher. Over the last four months, Itani's been the best pitcher in baseball. Only Dylan Cease has a superior ERA by .01. Itani has been the best fielding independent pitcher, an expected FIP in the big leagues. He's also hitting in that span 296, 378, 575, slash line 23 bombs, 62 RBIs.
0: So he's in the mid-nines and ops. That's unbelievable.
1: His average fastball velocity is 97.3 miles per hour. It's the third hardest among all starters. And his maximum exit velocity as a hitter, 119.1, is the third hardest hit amongst all players this year. On Cruz for the Pirates and Giancarlo Stanton for the Yankees are the only ones that have topped that. So top three, fastest average fastball, top three, hardest hit baseball. It's insane.
0: He's a guy that if you could move all the sliders for a creative player in... I don't even know. Can you do it for a video game and make a guy a great pitcher and a great hitter at the same time? Yeah. Because if you can, this is who you're making. You're making Otani, somebody
1: who actually exists. On back-to-back days in June, Otani had an 8-RBI game and a 13-strikeout game. (laughs) That's just... uh, Little League and the Major Leagues. No one... Has ever qualified for the batting title and ERA title in the same season in the history of baseball with one inning pitch today? Shohei Itani will first in the history of the game. That's, um, that's just dumb. That's just, it's, I have to bring it up because. We've seen we've been fortunate enough to cover sports, and we've watched all the incredible players that have come through FSU. And we think about the Buster Poseys of the world, or we think about you know Charlie Ward, Warwick Dunn, Derek Brooks, and Marvin Jones, and all these guys, right? Uh, some of whom went on to be Hall of Famers in their respective careers. And then, of course, extrapolate that out to all sports and the players we've seen come through. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods in golf, on down the line. And I always think, oh, man, it's amazing. In my lifetime, I've been able to see guys that were transcendent players. Very few do you, or very few instances, and maybe in some lesser known sports, do you see somebody that changes the game or what we think is even possible in the game? You know, like Wilt Chamberlain did that in basketball. Now, there were better players than Wilt, but Wilt's dominance uh, and athleticism at that size, they literally changed the rules of the NBA because of what he was able to do. So, like, Shohei Itani is that kind of transcendent player where you're like, not even Ruth, not Mays, not Aaron, not, you know, I mean, just nobody but him. He's one of one. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Orchard TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out
1: speech. It opened up so
0: many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: She put $900 on the fifth horse in the sixth race. I think his name is Jim. Jim Cameron, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Uh, we got college football on tonight. You knew that, right? The UCF game got moved, so we get a little football action. Ooh, all right. yeah. I had action, speaking of which, on that game as it was heading into the weekend and then uh, had to carry it over to today. So well, here we go.
0: You didn't say shut it down. You said Let it ride.
1: I did say let it ride, Tom. I felt like I was on the right side of that with the under. I got to double check. I get the number I got it, it may have moved since then. Um, so I, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll look and see. But I got the number that I got, and it doesn't change. So I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> I've got to get a. Uh, I got to get back on track. I am. You know, we are entering into the weekend that is always our favorite, where we. You know, a lot of times we've had home games where this has worked out for us, where we're at the CP and we go over there to do the happy hour show, and we're watching playoff baseball heading into Friday night football, fresh off a Thursday night game, both in college and pro, and a big weekend of the Knolls. Right? This weekend it's a little different. It is still a big weekend of the Knolls, but they're on the road. And we don't have the CP show on Friday, you but
0: mean, you will next Friday with the DS, the NLDS, the ALDS, and then college football. So that show from 5:30 to 6:30 next week will be chock full of television watching.
1: Yeah, um, I Brian. I took the under as well. Don't talk about likes. We'll see, or or locks. We'll we'll see. I don't know. Uh, this year, nothing seems real, real surefire. It's been a tough year. It's been a weird year. I, I we got a lot of football, Tom. There's a lot of football. There's still time to navigate our way through this. The slog has been tough early on, though. There's been a lot of moments where like. Really, that just happened okay
0: I feel like the old take the points method if you did that from week from zero to now you'd be probably hitting around 70 75 <laughs> percent
1: it probably feels that way I don't it think does. it's true but I, I will uh I will find that information out for you there are places that uh, divulge that in Las Vegas and they'll let you know what the uh, underdog has done across the board in college football and or I'm in talking pro football
0: probably in, in top 25 matchups that would probably be where I'd couch it it's just it feels that way but
1: could be wrong um I would I I think that uh you know I always remain very very positive Tom I feel like we're gonna we're gonna come back around here and have one of those weeks we already had that sneaky eight and two week while being surrounded by horrific weekends so I just need another one of those eight and two and we're like okay we're on equal footing let's go let's go easier said than done now I learned my lesson with the uh with the NFL this year just now I I won a two team money line parlay last week in the NFL, but you saw what I had to do to get it. Third string quarterback for the Patriots, and I am winning one of these games in overtime at home in freaking Lambeau with the best quarterback of the last thirty years. What the hell? Besides Tom Brady, but I mean that's nuts. Speaking of Tom, man, that that's getting ugly down in Tampa. With it this, is,
0: ooh. yeah. Mm. That's when those uh, documents come out, and the yeah. It
1: feels like things are.
0: Slip it away. Well, maybe that means he plays football for another five years. Who knows? With those weapons in Tampa, he can look a lot younger than he actually is.
1: Well, same with the surgery he has every offseason. So, you know, you get the you get well, the double down on something, that. Something, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I would uh I, I would mention um I'm not as concerned about it. That's what a Super Bowl championship does for you, Tom.
0: Also not terribly concerned about that group in general. You know, the um the run defenses would be my, my number one listing. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yelp, you look at. The- yeah,
1: Fatty Fat Fat's been terrible in the
0: middle. He has, but the gauntlet that they played, we were hoping for two and two before oh. the season kicked off. They're right on schedule, and they actually look better defensively everywhere else than I thought they would.
1: Well, yeah, especially that secondary until the other night. Which again, that's a different dude. Yeah, it's
0: a different dude making different plays, and then also that's a game they clearly circled. You could see it from the second possession on that. Oh,
1: screaming after every first down.
0: Okay, man, you can't undo what happened to you. You can't undo it. I'm sorry. One to nine ain't going away. That Super Bowl isn't moving from our banner. You know, we're not (laughs) mailing it over to you, and you don't (laughs) hang it in your place. Sorry.
1: No, that's all right though. It's all right. Yes, you're right. I just. I don't know that anybody's ever played great while they're in the midst of a nasty divorce, which is what it sounds like yeah. we're headed towards yeah. over there. That's a, that's a distracting element, to say the least. The
0: only thing I hated about that game in terms of what the Bucks did was, man, why, Todd, do you feel the need, Todd Bowles, to bring pressure from the side of the field that Travis Kelsey is on on third down? Mm. He's already going to Travis Kelsey. When you blitz
1: from that half of the field, he's even more likely to go to Travis Kelsey. Don't be stupid. That's all. Stubbornness from all coaches across the board. It exists everywhere. We were talking last week. I was talking to a football guy who knows Jimbo Fisher extremely well, has throughout his career, and we were talking about if you're Jimbo Fisher and you're looking at your offense and you've recruited the way that you have these last four years and you're losing the games you are decisively to Mississippi State and the like. When is it that you do look in the mirror and decide, I've got to change some things up? This isn't going to work. Now, I understand they lost their most dynamic weapon, but that's one guy of many that they've recruited exceptionally well. He's not going to. The answer is he's not going to. And I uh, think it's, it's part like of a 15 lar-
0: years of opportunities to do that. No,
1: but I also think it's a larger discussion that's interesting with the money increase. I think that changes everything. Like, we have this conversation all the time on the PGA Tour show I do on SiriusXM, which will be on tonight. Uh, here's, here's the thing. If you have, and he's never been motivated, I don't think, too much by money. Some things change as you get older, and certainly in his situation, it's a very unique situation with his son's illness. But if you have $70 million, if you have $50 million, whatever you've spent and saved and all that in between, where you have more money than you know what to do with, and you also know, for example, that if it doesn't work out and they let you go before your contract's up, that they just renewed and extended for more money. That you are going to be the benefactor of a windfall, the likes of which you never dreamt of growing up in West Virginia. So he, I don't think he's incentivized to ever relent. And I think what ends up happening, other than losing games, but he's also been rewarded for so long positively for doing it his way that. He's willing to ride out these pathetic offensive performances cuz what are you going to do? Fire me and if you do I've got more money than God.
0: Well, they might put it to him and say you will hire this particular assistant and then you've got an impasse. You could read about that maybe in the next year.
1: Yeah, but even in, in, what is he what are you going to do? I okay, fine. Or no, I won't fire me.
0: Then you'll read about it and it'll be really fun for all of us.
1: Yeah, but I just like it's so easy to just not change in the wake of Disappointing results when you have no financial fallout for your decision to be stubborn. If you or I tell our bosses, no, we need our paycheck. He doesn't need his paycheck. I just think it gets difficult when the money gets so exceedingly high that, I mean, guys can just say, eh, I don't really care. Fire me. Please, go ahead. I'm not changing.
0: I welcome that, and the transfer portal <laughs> exodus from Texas A&M you, to universities
1: across the South. You and me both. Because I'll take one or two of their players. If you're hearing this right now and you are someone you know is active military, a veteran police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a teacher, listen up. Good news here, as my friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans has a hometown hero loan program designed to make a difference to those who make a difference. So here's the deal. If it's time for you to buy a new home and you fit in that category, he'll waive all lender fees... For Hometown Heroes, that's 1600 bucks right off the bat that you're saving. Then another 600 if you take their preferred title company. Uh, that's good. It's, uh, it's at a time where everybody wants to save money. That's true all the time, right? So, again, if you are active military, veteran, police officer, firefighter, nurse, or a school teacher, and you're looking to buy a new home, choose Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans and ask about their Hometown Heroes program. Call 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN. Or just visit dot com. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Something yeah, a boy. couple I of missed. contributors. I missed it. Look at this. Big Mike TV. What's up, baby? Appreciate you. There was no question there. Woo! Seth, uh, Seth writes random hyping, a fat lip by some 41 being played at practice today. Love the show, girls. He was motivated by tunes. Thank you, Jonesy. Random question. Which of these coaches with FSU offensive coordinator on their resume will be the first to get a head coaching gig? Kenny Dillingham, Kendall Bryles, or Alex Atkins? Oh, wow, that's a good question. That is a a good one. one. Now, there are a lot of reasons that's a a good one. If you're just talking about prowess and expertise, uh, depending on the circles you're in, all would be well thought of. Alex especially is a coach on the rise. But Kenny Dillingham is a guy that some were saying would be considered for the Arizona State job. I don't think that'd be wise. Yeah,
0: it could be a statement on where Arizona State is as a program.
1: Kendall Bryles uh, still has the last name Bryles.
0: Yeah, and that star has fallen a little bit. Mm-hmm. His best chance probably was two or three years ago, notwithstanding there, there his was father's a little, incidents.
1: There was a little window there. Yeah, Last name hurts him there. Okay, uh, who's the
0: first to get Power 5, and her, who's the first to get a coaching gig? Maybe we can split that up in the last minute here.
1: Oh, man, that's tough. I I think I'd still lean Atkins.
0: For Power 5? So if Kenny doesn't get this job, then he's going to be waiting with Arizona State, if you're talking Power oh, 5 correct, openings.
1: Correct. Yeah, if he doesn't get this job, yeah, I think so. I think he'll be waiting for some time. And I just, again, don't know that anybody wants the smoke with Riles. I mean, they'll hire his coordinator. We did, and it's tough, and there's some things that come with that, but... Power five job, high profile, a lot of questions. Jeff Cameron Show, hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.